You are listening to the Spark Influence Podcast with Spark Media founders, Peter and Misty Phillip. Spark Influence is a podcast about living a life with intention in marriage, family, ministry, and as business leaders. This show is brought to you by the Spark Media Podcast Network. Visit sparkmedia.ventures for more inspiring podcasts. Well, we are back here today. We have talked about servant leadership and we've talked about marriage when two become one. And I thought a natural progression would be when two become many, what happens when you have a family? How do you then balance the demands of life and adding tiny humans and work and all the things? So I thought we'd talk about family today. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, so why don't we start off with, you know, what it's like when you first bring little people into your family, right? It rocks your world because here you are, you know, moving and grooving in your routine and then you add little tiny humans that you're suddenly responsible for. Yeah, that's quite the change for the schedule, right? Schedule goes out the door. We kind of talked about this last week a little bit, especially about, you know, there's that kind of three segments young couple with children, young children, you kind of progress more into the middle part where we're getting older. Yeah, the middle years, perfect. And the kids are more high schoolish and that kind of about to head out college age and then, um, and then, you know, post, uh, post college when they, some of them leave and then hopefully they don't boomerang. So yeah, so the early years, definitely a change for couples. So it's really can be difficult to balance I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing, and we're doing our thing. And then we add this entire team of other individuals into this who are incredibly needy and demand attention and, and focus. And, you know, you want, you're, you're pouring into them, you're trying to shape and mold and grow them, but you also still need to maintain your day job, so to speak, right? Right. And that can be quite challenging. And I think couples... I, I I highly recommend getting married early and having kids as often as possible. Like that's, I cannot overstate how amazing that is. Like I, I love that we had children early and that, and that they're older now and they're just as much fun, except I don't have to worry about them, you know, choking on something all the time. Right. Like that, that's the, that, that's the best part about being older, but just do it as early as possible. It's so, it's such a, a rich experience for couples, but there is that balancing act to figure this out. Like it's, it's a little more to be, cause there has to be, this is where, I think we talked about you'd be very conscious of your partner and being very giving and selfless. This is the beginning of a selfless stage for you, right? It's no longer you, it's us, but it's an expanded us because it's not just like if you and I are alone and we're just a couple and we're bebopping and doing our thing, we can sort things out. I can have my quiet evening and you can go with your girls night and I can do, you know, whatever hunting trips with friends or you know, game nights or whatever, then you add children and that, that changes dramatically. Right. So you suddenly went from, you know, us going out to dinner every night with friends or whatever to all of a sudden 
you know, no, we can't go out tonight because we have a baby who has a bedtime. Um, But then as the children grow, I think one of the really important things for our family in particular was the support of extended family. So we lived next door to Peter's parents when our boys were little. And I think just our kids didn't know family structure without Gigi and Papa. So when they said family, it was mom and dad and Gigi and Papa. And I think that that time around the table, because that's the way that you grew up. So why don't you talk about, you know, when you were a child and what it was like when you came home from school? Uh, Yeah, so I can hear the eye rolls going all around the world. But, you know, there's, I had such an amazing uh, childhood growing up because it was, it was the structure, it was very much representative of the structure that God intended, right? We were all together as a family all the time and we had extended family and everyone was kind of always you always engage with family and there's a different level of sort of intimacy that exists when you know it's aunts and uncles and cousins and nieces and nephews, right? That's a super rich tapestry that gets woven. But from the immediate family, that was kind of what you talked about, right? That was, you know, every day was dinner at the table. And you have said this many times and I love that you say it. Don't underestimate the power of the dinner table. Like that is one of the most powerful tools in a parent to children's arsenal of you capturing your children's hearts and keeping abreast of what's happening. It, today, you have to actually say phone down, TV's off. Back then, it was just TV off, and it probably wasn't in that room. So that intimacy that happens when you all sit down and, you know, and I, my family history is Italian for the most part, and there's a big emphasis on food. And there's a, a, a difference that happens when you eat together. Like there's a there's a vulnerability and a relaxedness that occurs that's not to be overstated. And so putting everybody at the table and then having a conversation, no, I, I could say no newspapers, but I don't think anybody reads a newspaper anymore. I miss newspaper, <laughs> but no, no, you know, no reading materials at the table, no phones and just talk to each other and have that engagement and then making it a routine, a repetitive thing that you do all the time. Don't do it on Sundays because you went out together that doesn't count if you go to a restaurant and eat dinner that's that's still a meal together but it's not the same as being home with the family all the time and that you will be amazed at what you uncover from your children and then how that builds the dialogue routine where they're comfortable communicating with you right and some of you have to pull this out you know and then when they're really young if you start that formation when they're little it becomes an expectation and then that's what y'all do all the time. It also gives you as the parent the opportunity to impart values and to have current event discussions to help teach your kids how to think and how to process what's happening in the world around them. So I know for us, you know, we began this practice when our kids were young, your parents would come over and we'd, we'd, you know, have Legos dumped on the table and we would all sit around and talk. I remember trying to get a word in edgewise and just forget it. I just sat there um, because there were lots of heated conversations and, you know, passionate conversations, but it was good. And then we modeled that for our kids, but but then even as our kids have grown, one of the special things I think is when their college age friends come over and say, I love the way you do dinner and the way that y'all talk about everything. I'm amazed at the families that coexist, but are not really communicating with one another. So the parents 
aren't really imparting values. They're too busy shuffling from one activity to the other or putting a screen in their children's face, which I'm not saying anything against technology. We, we have screens in our house. We're all in on technology. But I think just having those gateways and those borders, and I think it goes back to what you said about creating that routine. Like it has to be an important part of your family discipleship to want to gather around the table. Oh, 100% agreed. And it looks very different. It looks very different when they're 10 years old or they're 2 to 10, right? It's very different than teenager, you know, that sort of approaching 11 to 18, right? There's some very different dynamics. And it's different if it's boys and girls, right? So you know your family, you know your kids, build those routines, enforce them, be consistent with them. And as they get older, it gets more fun because, like you said, the conversations can change and shift and become more, more spirited, more more debates, right? And uh, and it's it's a truly an amazing time, and not to be underestimated. I would, we couldn't overstate that. One of the other things that I have loved about our family is it's not just the table time, but it's the family that cooks together. And we have invited our children into the kitchen with us to cook. And it's been great. We have boys, but we wanted our boys to learn how to cook, you know, as well. Like, like you said, that Italian heritage and even, you know, I just, I love to cook and happen to be a pretty good cook, I might say. But it's just really fun. We've always included the kids whether it was when they were young and we would juice a lot, you know, from teaching them how to prepare different types of meals, just getting them, having them be a little sous chef. I know when our oldest was young, there wasn't a lot on television that you knew was super safe for your kids to watch. So we ended up watching food TV back in the day because it was relatively safe, but it also gave us a a passion for healthy food and, and being together. Yeah. Good, good, good shows back then that were safe and you know, it was the Emerald Lagasse era there, right? And uh, bam, yeah, bam. <laughs> and so, but I mean, I don't, I think there's so many lessons. That, I, I like you brought that point up because there's so many life lessons that can happen in all of these activities, right? Food, just the or the process of food preparation, and it could be when they're young, as simple as let's talk about all the ingredients that we're having and what are they, where do they come from, what is the benefit, why are we eating them. It also gives you a chance to impart heritage. What are we cooking? This was made by grandma. This comes from our family. This was in the home country. This is my family ate this in Sicily. Like we have a favorite recipe, pani meat that we eat that was passed from my grandmother to my parents, to my dad, my mom, and to us. That comes from Sicily, right? This is a, a dish that we adore, and so. When you have those, you're not only passing on knowledge and information that children can use, you're also passing on heritage and tradition. And those are really important grounders for children. As they get older, they have a sense of heritage. They have a sense of history in their family because not everybody has a large extended family and not a lot of relatives they can, and they may not live by them. They may live somewhere else. They're doubly more sort of an island feeling because they may be, their family's from Maine and they all live in Florida, right? So that's a Big day. You don't see those people very often except on holidays. But then the holidays help reinforce it because you're going to all eat the food you talked about and everyone waits for, you know, on the holiday time. So if you incorporate that into dailiness of here's things that we cook and you get a routine, you find out what they like and what they don't like. And then, okay, well, you want to help prepare this. So now you understand the work and effort that goes into this, right? And there's so many lessons you can impart besides just getting the intimate 
FaceTime with your with your children. And I think that is the most important thing is having that FaceTime. You said having their hearts, knowing what's on their mind. The world is so distracting and that sometimes it's hard to really know what your kids are thinking and feeling unless you have that time with them. And, and I think that's one of the challenges as they grow older and they're involved in a lot of extracurricular activities, the family can splinter and go off in different directions and really fighting for that core family time, I think is, is important. What, what do you think? No, I, you 100% agree, right? That everybody's busy and everybody's doing something. And we've got to do the day job that keeps the lights on and the fridge full. And, you know, the kids have school and activities and hopefully chores, just chores, underrate chores. And and everybody can really run in their own lane and just, you know, you, you, you don't want your kids to be tenants, in, in your apartment building that you call a home, right? They don't need to be tenants. They, you know, that there's a lot that goes into that about this is my space and, and, you know, I'm going to do my thing. If they come home, dump their bags, grab a snack, and you don't see them the rest of the night, that's not going to help. That, you're gonna, that's going to come back later to bite you. Like, you need to have that time and integrate each other. And I think that's the best time, right? I think about some intimate time I used to have with my father when I was, I think it was probably, I can't remember, high schoolish time. I used to go do like work at his office, right? Or I would go with him. Sometimes they would have me like hang pictures and do stuff in the office building, right? And I remember this so poignantly. I remember it would be very, my dad's an engineer. So he got up at like five and he got to the office like at 6.30 or seven. And uh, I, I, to this day, I'm not an early person like that. It's just not my thing. I know you are, you love early morning. But I, I have such a profound memories of us being in the car and listening to Paul Harvey and Look him up if you don't know who I'm talking about. So just go Google Power. But in, but we would hear, you hear part of the story at like six, six o'clock in the morning. And then on the way home from work at five, Paul Harvey did the rest of the story. So he told you part of it in the morning and part of it in the afternoon. The afternoon was the rest of the story, which was always some amazing thing, right? But I have such, because we would listen to that and then we would talk about it in the car. And so that, and then when we got to dinner, he we may say, hey, what did you, what was the rest of the story today? And we'd talk about it as a family, right? It's, it's those kind of things that I remember so profoundly. They had such an impact. It was just simple little things, right? But don't underestimate the memory you can make with a simple thing with your child. Yeah, I think another sort of tradition that your parents passed on to you was a love of reading. And I remember you telling me about, you know, outings for y'all would be everybody would go to the bookstore and find their books. And then even as as our kids were, were growing and we were homeschooling, books were never in short supply. But that love of reading and spending that time together. So I don't think it matters if, I mean, obviously reading is amazing and we want everybody to read because readers are leaders, but finding an activity that the whole family can do that everybody can take part in. Another thing for us was hiking. Like we're really big hikers. And so even though we have a special needs child, he can still be part of that hiking where some sports would not work for us. So I think finding something that centers your family where everyone can have an activity they enjoy doing together. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Yep. Board games maybe don't work all the time and right. And a lot of people, board games came back. The pandemic brought board games back. So thanks for that. But 
yeah, some some group activity. And it doesn't need to be just vacations. You don't need to wait until you take a vacation until everybody does something together. Find any kind of activity. But the dinner table will solve that if you can get together. And it works just as well later on when they're older. You know, I think especially when they get older. I, I remember when our oldest was in college, he lived at home, and he would come home really late, and we would always be up waiting for him. And how many nights did he lay on the end of our bed or sit next to the bed? And we had conversations about all the things that were happening in school and the things that were going on. I think that just making time for your kids to be available is probably one of the biggest lessons that we've learned in our parenting. And then knowing our kids and creating routines and structure for us to have dialogue, but also to pass down traditions and tie heartstrings and and even family devotions. That's been a really important part. We did an okay job when the kids were little. I remember trying to do Advent and nobody was listening and I was so frustrated, you know, so I I think when they're little, it's it's not how much of it you get done, but you just keep at it and you're consistent. And now our youngest, if we haven't had our family devotion, he's like, who's reading tonight? You know, he comes to us. And I think that is, is the joy of planting those seeds within your kids and watching them grow, watching their faith grow. Yeah, it's, there's so many of those moments, to use your phrase, like to tie heartstrings, right? It can be the mundane, I got to change an air filter. Come with me. Watch this. Watch this. Right. How's this work? Or like you said, the simple outings bookstore, or I guess for girls to be moms and super target, I guess would be super target. The girl's best right. friend. You know so, that. <laughs> so yeah, those are, those are, and, and it, it crosses all those boundaries. So even then the activity kind of comes back to you. So when they leave, when they come back, what do they want to do, right? When you were a child, you thought, my parents are so boring. All they do is have people and they just talk, right? And as a kid, you want to do something. And my kids used to call it boring. They didn't even say boring greatly. They were like, that's so boring. Then you get older and you realize it's all about the conversation. And then the sweetness is when your kids leave and they come back and they want to just sit at the table and do what? They just want to sit and talk, right? That's that's an amazing thing. But it all starts back when they're kids because that becomes the place not of combat and not of strife and not of acrimony or malice it becomes the place of of fun and joy and conversations and memory building and history and all those tremendous things that that it really can impress upon uh, on the children I feel like that's a little bit of a lost art today. You know, we've always had relatives around the table. Your mom was a great historian and told all the family stories, right? And the same thing in in my house with, you know, sitting around with my extended family, just listening to all of the tales of yesteryear. I feel like we've lost a little bit of that. And I don't feel like that happens as much now in, in our microwave on the go paper plate society. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, I I would definitely say it's a future episode to talk about um, phones and screens and, and computers and television that all sort of detract from, you know, that, that time. But yeah, that's definitely, definitely a a soapbox. I'd be happy to climb up on and and espouse, but it's just take the joy, take the time, you know, it, it goes so quick. You know, you always hear older people. I'm not older, obviously, but, but yeah, shake your head. But 
It does go by quick because, you know, life happens when you're doing other stuff. That's that's a really true saying, right? Like you're just trying to get everything going and it's all happening. So take the time to savor that. Take the time to make these things happen. Yes, the diapers have to be changed and the laundry keeps growing and the sink is full of dishes, but it's they still stop and take time to be with your family. It's important because you don't get it back. That's right. So how does one balance family and the responsibilities of work without, you know, working too much and ignoring the family or, you know, spending too much time paying attention to what's happening in the home and, it, you know, not getting the job done. So where is that fine line for you as the leader in our home? So don't be the hero, right? Too many parents hero out, as they say, right? You just take it all. Moms do this especially where they just take it all and it gets all on them and they don't, they don't incorporate or stop or push back or ask for help, right? They just kind of hero, hero the game. That just leads to burnout and, dis, and, and, and strife and problems, right? Same way for fathers if they're doing that where they're just like, well, I got to earn for my family. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. Well, no, it's no good when you're not there, right? Nobody likes that. I think the balance starts in the middle with faith. Like you're, this is something you're amazing at. Start your day in the word and then order the rest of your day, right? If you can execute against that all the time, then he will order your day for you. He will help execute on what you have to execute on. If that doesn't happen, if you're not focusing on him first, then family, then others and you, right? And whatever the order is beyond that, it has to start with him first. Absolutely. It has to start with him first and and then everything else kind of flows out from that. I remember watching a speech back in speech and debate and this girl did a, a speech about, you know, putting the big rocks in the bucket first. And once you put those big rocks in, then you've got room for all the little little pebbles, you know, to flow in. And so what is most important, you know, God, family, and then we have to survive, so we need to work or we don't eat. But when when we find ourselves, you know, just kind of one of the ways that my boss described it to me as a, as a young worker, as a young mom trying to balance the stress of managing a home and being a wife and having a child and working and commuting and all of the things and the stress that goes along with that. She said, your, your life is a wheel and you need to keep each one of those areas. You have to focus and it has to be equally distributed because you think about like spokes on a wheel and if one area is is larger than the other areas then the wheel gets wobbly and it kind of goes off track yeah that's right that's probably right so it's it's about faith but it's also about balance yeah that's probably the key right is the balance and it's that's tricky i mean you're not gonna get that answer in 25 minutes but it just takes time and work and do all the things kind of we talked about. Like we said this before, nothing good worthwhile is easy. Family, marriage, faith, all these things take work, but there's so much joy. Even in the labor, there's joy in the work because the outcome is tremendous, right? There's no joy that you can find outside of, well, this side of the veil that you're going to find with, the the faces of your children and the face of your spouse and 
when that's well ordered and organized as God intended, it's the best joy you're going to get at this side. Yeah. So I just want to leave the audience today with just some encouragement to find time to gather your people, get around the table, use that to, you know, read the Bible together as a family or talk about the day's events, know what's going on in your children's hearts and find other opportunities to tie heartstrings, whether you're in the kitchen cooking, you're at the bookstore, or if you're on the ball field, do the thing that works works for your family, and then try to keep it all in balance with your work and your home life. But Peter, you had it right by faith comes first and everything else flows out from that. Amen. Amen. Well, until next week, we will see you soon. <music>